Oh, my. So you think you have an interesting radio market. You should hang out with today's guest for a little bit. As a matter of fact, we're going to. Welcome to the Radio Rally on the Clubhouse app. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving good advice, hearing stories of an amazing radio pro right now, and uncovering the path forward in radio. My name is Lloyd Fordham with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show, and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs, provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotional ideas that move the revenue needle, and more. We're confidential and market exclusive for radio. You can reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Today, during our live event, uh, of course, our podcast uh, will pick this up and it will become an episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and that will be made available soon after the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. You can meet our guests live on the Clubhouse app, or you can subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. We actually have two podcasts, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which is from our Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific event called Innovation and Audio, and the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast, which is obviously the event you're listening to right now. Both of these podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you can get your podcast. So what is about to happen on this live event? Well, for February 21st, 2022, uh, Jason Metter is with us, the Vice President and General Manager of Cox Radio Group in Orlando, Florida. But before we get started with Jason, in just a moment, I want to share a couple of quick things with you. First, there's April the 14th. Sound familiar? Maybe not. We have a very special event for you. It is our Q2 exclusive radio sales event. And uh, of course, it's free for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We call it getting higher sales now in a crowded market. Never a better time for that than Q2, right? This event will also feature sales consultant Alec Drake with Drake Media Group. And as you soon will learn, we have two uh, radio revenue generating experts working in local markets today that will be at this live event sharing with you. David Deutsch is the president of Midwest Family and Brian Maloney is the vice president of Capital Broadcasting. These are two real on the ground experts developing revenue and they're gonna share with you directly April 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Next Monday, Joel Oxley will be with us. Now, Joel, you might know, is the senior VP of Washington, D.C.'s WTOP and WFED in Washington, the District of Columbia. You can see our full guest calendar all the way into the middle of April on our free blog at RainmakerPathway.com. And of course, that's also where you can find encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series, and even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our encouraging sales success series. 
as well as free resources for anyone in radio or audio today. Of course, we do not lock away anything on our website the way some consultants do. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime, see what you can get for free from our team. Please follow the people on stage at this event uh, and uh, connect with them as you will, because we do encourage networking for your broadcast career. If you haven't liked or joined the Encouragers, do it right now. We have at least two great live events each week designed to help you grow your radio and audio career. Today's guest, Jason Metter, is Vice President and General Manager of Cox Media Group, Orlando, Florida. Of course, Jason um, has a great background in local sales, surprise, surprise. Sales in general, and sales management in addition to his important experience as a market manager. Tonight, we get to talk with Jason about his career path, how he's done it, what it's like to work in Orlando, of course, and Cox Media, and of course, how he has seen sales and radio specifically change over the course of his career, and maybe kind of what the future looks like from his chair. Jason. Please welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Lloyd. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the invite. Oh, I really appreciate you taking the time out with us. You know, look, I think a lot of people might be surprised that your degree is from the University of Central Florida. It's in political science and criminal justice. Now, look, did you originally want to go down that path for a career when you were at Northside Christian School? What was going on? Yeah, no, I uh, I ended up at UCF um, without much direction. I think I was probably a, a lot like uh, most kids that uh, graduated from high school with an interest in a million things. Uh, and as I started going through through school, uh, I started taking classes that were interesting to me. So at one point, I thought that uh, you know the legal field might be a, a, an, an area of interest for me. Uh, political science, I took a I took an interest in in uh, in public service, and uh, I ended up as a junior at uh, at UCF and sat down with an advisor. And the advisor kind of looked at me and said, what, what are you planning on doing here, buddy? And I said, well, I think I want to be a television producer. And he, he started laughing and he goes, well, the, none of what you're working on is, is actually uh, ha has anything to do with that. And I said, well, I'm actually uh, in sales for the, uh, for the, the school, the, the, the college newspaper. And um, he said, listen, if you're planning on getting out of here uh, and, and graduating within four years, I would recommend that, um, that you select a minor in, in a couple of places where you've got some concentration concentration and, uh, and and focus on your career and so that's that's what I did it uh, you know it made most sense for me to do that but I, I took classes that I was interested in only because I I didn't have a focus and by the time I was done with school I looked back and you know obviously it's your hindsight is 2020 and it was much easier to, to, to say oh I should have done this or I should have done that but uh, it all well, worked out for me it, it is kind of what you say when you go to college that oftentimes you don't know what you're going to do. Some adults, uh, after a long time, still don't know what they want to do. I think that's a great I, point. I am surprised that the first thing that comes out of your mouth that's media related is not radio, it's television. We always start with how you got into the radio business. Can you tell us a little bit of that story? Yeah, so it, kind of starting back at the uh, in, on the college story. So I was in an advertising class. I'm in a big 300-person auditorium, and a, and a guy named Rod Poole uh, walks in, and he was with WFTV Channel 9 here in Orlando at the time. 
And uh, he starts talking about media sales. And as I mentioned, I was, I was selling ads for the school newspaper. So I was taking an interest in advertising sales, just wasn't sure that the, that the, uh, the, the electronic media part was, was going to be my path. But uh, I'm in this class, and Rod starts talking about what he's doing. And um, after class, I went down and had a conversation with Rod. And he said, hey, why don't you come by the TV station, and we'll, we'll have more of a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So. Uh, a, a week or so later, I went, uh, I went down to Channel 9 and I had a conversation with Rod and he said, listen, if, if you want to get into television sales, the best thing that you can do is send your resume to every radio station back in Tampa, back at home, here in Orlando, and, and try to find a radio sales job. And eventually you can work your way up uh, and then you can get into TV from there. They, they love to hire folks with radio backgrounds and um, I think that's the, the best way for you to, to go. And, and so I did that. I, I went home and worked on a resume and ended up, um, you know, it, with a job at Entercom at WYUU, and that was 1995, and that was really the start of the radio career. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get to talk about this a little bit, but first, I want to know, you know, you're, you're, you're already doing ad sales at the school a little bit. Did sales come naturally to you? And then I want to know, did, did radio sales come naturally to you? Yeah, great, great question. So both my parents were in sales. My dad was a wholesale hardware salesman, went uh, hardware store to hardware store when they still existed. And my mom sold flooring. So my whole life, I saw this happening in the house. Uh, they were they were uh, teachers at Dale Carnegie. And so I, I saw them grow and develop as, as people and as salespeople. But I never thought of myself as a salesperson. So I, I don't know that it came easy. Uh, but once once I got some confidence and started to understand, you know, the, the difference in proceeding when, when folks have a need, I think that's when it got easier for me. So, uh, you know, selling the, the school newspaper was a different uh, value proposition than getting in and selling an oldies radio station when you're 21 years old. So it, it didn't come easy, but I, I certainly had fun doing it. And I think that's what made it get easier. And, and, and look, about you back there, you know, you mentioned that Dale Carnegie business. That's that's actually awesome. Uh, that had to walk along with you a little bit. You had to catch some of that, right? Yeah, I, I think I did. And I can remember telling my parents, wow, you guys are you guys are really changing from a, from the way that they spoke, whether it was at church or, you know, uh, in public, you know, tr coming up with tricks to remember people's names, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I took some speech classes in, in college in addition to uh, political science and criminal justice. And I always liked that public speaking was something that uh, I, I enjoyed. And um, it, 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 uh, it was something that they kind of put some gas in my tank. And I think that was probably a, a result of my parents being involved in Dale Carnegie. Wow. And look, you and I worked at Intercom at the same time in the mid 90s. Yeah. Did you did you learn a lot working at Intercom at that time? What was that like? It, it was interesting. So, you, you know, first job in the business, you don't you don't have anything to compare or contrast it to. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, this was prior to the age of consolidation. So when I was selling for Intercom, they owned one radio station in Tampa. Uh, there was one general manager, a general sales manager, a local sales manager, a national sales manager, a team of eight people for just that one radio station. Yeah. Nobody understands that anymore. No, no. <laughs> I mean, you, there's no way you can financially do that. You can't have success. Um, but, but we did, and I, I learned a ton. I think a lot of the things that I still do today were, were rooted in watching behaviors that happened at that radio station. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, customer-focused selling wasn't something that I learned from from Cox. It was something that was taught to me by by a guy named Joe Corbett and, and Jay Bowden, who um, you know hired me into the business. So, you know, I, I did learn a lot. Um, it's obviously Intercom or Odyssey is a very different company than than what it was then, but. You know, David Field made trips to the radio station. He was he was there. His dad was there. So it oh. was it was oh. very it was a very different time. You know, I don't think people understand. David was intimately involved. He would come right down to you and and be very curious and want to know everything. Right? A- absolutely. Yeah. All right. So listen, you went from inter- intercom to CBS radio in Tampa, all this in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, w- was that a big jump for you to make from intercom to CBS? Well, leaving intercom was a was a big jump only because I, I had CBS coming and recruiting me and, and, and throwing big dollars at me at the time, which felt like really big dollars. And to have to go back to the folks at intercom um, that had hired me and say, hey, listen, I've got a, an opportunity here. And this is going to be good for my family. Uh, that was a big jump from that perspective. What I was doing wasn't necessarily a big jump. Uh, I had a company that knew that, um, you know, I was working hard and I had made a name in the market with clients and my name was getting mentioned. And so, you know, they, they called and offered, they had a list and, and offered me a, an income jump. So, um, no, I wouldn't say it was, it was a big jump to make. Uh, at the time, it, it felt probably bigger than it was. And your sellers can't do that today, right? <laughs> well, I, I had a, yeah, no. They, they, I mean, the world has changed in a lot of ways. It, right? it has, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a completely different world than it was then. All right. So, listen, you went from being an account manager at CBS. Yep. And then suddenly you were this regional account manager and then director of sales all in Tampa, St. Pete. A lot of people look to make their way through this business as it gets more complicated and speeds up and has more diversity in terms of just the things you got to know, right? And and people want to get ahead. You must have enjoyed this time in your career. What was the key to moving into management for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, as you as you as you say that question, it seems like it happened really fast. But when I, think, when I think back on my career, it was a very long period of time. You know, a regional account manager in, in Florida was was really nothing more than somebody who kind of handled the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. Um, and um, during that period of time, I was recruited by by Cox. I had worked with Keith Lawless at uh, a Clear Channel during during some iterations of consolidation, and he knew who I was, and they they recruited me to come to Cox. So I took a similar position there. With, with the intention that at some point I was going to move into sales management. Um, and from the very get-go at Cox, that was, that was my intent. Uh, I, you know, I, I worked accounts and did the best job that I needed to do as an account manager. But from the time I got there, I knew that eventually I was going to move into the role of a sales manager. And I think that based on my sales, my true sales ability, they knew that I would be a better sales manager than a salesperson anyway. So, you know, I think that um, that that path was was made clear for me. Um, but I, 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 I think what I did and what I have done all along, and I coach people to do this now, mm-hmm. is assume that the job is yours. 
assume that you're already doing the job. the job. So I was training new sellers and they came on, working with people, having uh, small mini sales meetings with the teams of, of new people and working uh, to build, uh, you know, uh, mentor and mentee programs within the sales department. So, you know, by the time the, the opportunity came for me to become a sales manager for the first time, I really made it uh, almost an impossible decision for them to choose anybody else. And I think that's the best thing, best piece of advice I can give to anybody who's who's looking to advance their career is, you know, if you're already working somewhere and you want to move up within that company, assume the job is yours. Whether the person is still there or not, you can still um, assume the responsibility and take on the role of leadership. And um, and when the when there becomes an absence of leadership, there there really isn't because you're there. And I, I think that's the best piece of advice I can give to anybody. Boy, I tell you what, that should go on the Hall of Fame for uh, great career advice for sure. You know, at this point in the interview, I was going to ask you, do you like direct sales better or managing sales? I think I know that answer. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to retool a little bit here. Those of us who are not in direct sales, like the programming people coming up, we, we all like to think a little bit like, you know what? Um, it's easy to get a sales job. It's easy because the business rewards sellers and the business it tends to lean that way. And you, you know this. I mean, you've got two different kinds of people that come in your building, people that you write checks to and people who bring checks in the building. Hmm. That's, you know, it's easy to like those people that bring checks in, right? So did sales make you um, ambitious or were you ambitious before you set that intent to become a sales manager? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, radio, the, the business of radio is unique in that um, it, it is not for everybody. So, you, you know, the, the average guy or girl who is out selling X, Y, and Z product doesn't necessarily understand the concept of, of selling something to somebody that they can't see, uh, they can't feel it, they can't touch it, and that they don't yet know that they even need it in many cases. So the skill set for a radio salesperson is really different than that of, of just about anybody else in the entire universe. And I think that what happens is you, you find a, a, a group of a small group of people who have the talent, the basic innate talents uh, that you need in order to be successful. And then you, you bring them in and you teach them the skills. And I, I think it's similar on the on the programming side. So, Lloyd, we could take somebody with a voice like you've got, you know, a great set of pipes. Um, but but maybe they just have no relatability on the air and you got to you got to be able right. to teach them that. And I think that. I think that as as you as you get into this business, you you can't get rid of it. That that feeling and that that innate sense of love for the product and what we do and the impact that you have on listeners just becomes a, a part of your soul. And so, whether you're selling or you're on the air, um, it's you, you feel connected to it. And I, I think that's still very very true today. You know, we have these quarterly events that we do that are focused solely on radio sales and. Uh, Jason, it comes up a lot. People want to talk about recruiting salespeople and how do you do it? And do you, you know, are you doing untraditional things? And do you think that that recruiting has changed for radio? Because you bring up a really good point about how selling radio is not like selling that widget. Right. Yeah. So no. where, where do you find them, right? <laughs> well, 
in a couple of places. So we've been we've been very successful with uh, growing our own talent. So if you're familiar at all with the Tampa Bay Rays, I think that well, you know that's that's a philosophy that is uh, it's not Moneyball, but it's certainly a philosophy that is similar to that in that you you can hire somebody with 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 raw talent, but the skills that they've learned from another company aren't necessarily aligned with the way we want to sell or the way we want to treat clients. And so you have to be careful with that. Um, we certainly have a, a, a good group of sellers that have come from other companies that have that are the right you know have the right tone and tenor to the way they present things, but we've also been really successful growing talent from the beginning, and and you find them in sales and business curriculums. We've got great partnerships both with the University of Central Florida here in Orlando, but with Bethune Cookman, Florida State University, University of South Florida. Um, and uh, we, you know, we've we've done really, really well growing folks. Um, but in today's day and age, you don't you don't grab a kid out of college and say, "Here, sit down. Here's a phone. Uh, here's Google. Here's here's 250 businesses. Start making cold calls." It's it's the business has become too complex for that. You know, like I said, you know, in 1995, when I started, I had one radio station um, and no digital to sell. Now these guys have in our cluster six radio stations 35 events that we produce on our own wow uh, a plethora and a suite of digital products that that rivals anybody and they're expected to know all of that all while being a a basically a marketing expert so that when they walk into a business or a business owner you know, a college kid just isn't going to have the, the confidence to be able to do that and do it successfully. So we tend to bring them on uh, slowly. We start them in, in, in more of a background role. And um, we've had a lot of success with, with folks getting really, really hungry during that year or two, being in the building, being around other sellers, witnessing and watching and learning. And by the time that their opportunity comes, you know, they, they've got a they've got a couple of, um, you know, a couple of head starts, a couple of leaps at. Well, they uh, they see things that they can model and go, oh, my God, that's really good. For sure. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you pair them with the best people in the building. And, you know, before you know it, you've got uh, you got mini me's running around that are that are really ready to go. And so by the time you're 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 ready to unleash them and, and tell them they're going to go on to all commission, they're they're hungry for it. And uh, that's that's been a great a great path for us. The entire company has been successful at doing that. Look at you over there, Jason. It's not just Disney that has the Magic Kingdom over there. You've got a little something <laughs> going on too. Yeah. Well, listen, let's talk about 2017 because in 2017, not an unvolatile year, <laughs> you made the leap from director of sales in Tampa St. Pete to becoming the general manager in Orlando. This is clearly, I would think, more responsibility, more stress. Uh, was that a big adjustment for you from a stress standpoint, from a just from a work standpoint? Uh, easily the biggest adjustment I've ever made in my entire career. So I went from running a sales team in Tampa, Florida, to not only becoming a general manager for the radio cluster in Orlando, so a completely new town or new town to me, um, but I at the time the company was also working on. Uh, combining our radio and television efforts. So I was actually the general manager for WFTV Channel 9, WRDQ 27, and our six radio stations. Oh, so, but you liked that, Jason, didn't it, you? It, 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 was, it, was, uh, it was great. Uh, talk about a learning experience. Um, you know, there, there was, it was like drinking out of a fire hose for 10 to 12 hours a day. 
And uh, I think the only thing that, that, that Kate kept me sane was my, my family actually didn't move over right away. So I was able to just dive oh, wow. and dig yeah. into work without the fear that if I'm not home by a reasonable hour that I'm abandoning my family. So um, that, it all worked out well. It, um, it, was, a, it was a great time. Uh, in my life, it was short-lived because at that point, you know, six months in, the company decided that they were going to divest of the media group. So we kind of we kind of all shuffled back to our original silos, and right. uh, and uh, so I, you know, I, I really took over the the radio group just solely by myself, which uh, that was yeah the middle of eighteen, and so we've had a we've had a good run since then, and it's been a it's been a great um, great few years over here in Orlando. Well, listen, you know, Cox Media Group has a great reputation in the business. I'm sure that they set you down in 2017 and they said, look, Jason, we want you to get three years of training before coronavirus shows up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was you know? <laughs> that was in a book. It was actually in a book. It was on page 17. Sure. One uh, A. Sure. And, uh, we, we knew it was coming. And so we just we kind of sat up and, and, and we're ready for it. It's a great boy. You talk about things that you never see. And uh, you're lucky to have had the three years, to be honest with you. What makes a general manager successful in Cox Media Group as it is today and also in your opinion? Well, I, I think there's a lot of little things, but I'll start with a couple of the big ones. Um, you know, in, in Cox, it's, it's a people first mentality. One of the best things that Cox Enterprises bestowed upon the media group was the, the, the importance of putting people first. And that, that starts with employees. Uh, current employees are, are you know, um, are, are treated with the, with the highest regard, but it also filters down into those that we recruit and that we, that we, that we do our best to retain. Um, and I think, you know, at the general manager level, I'm, I'm responsible for everybody. And right. my, my biggest job is to put together a leadership team that uh, can bestow these same values upon the group. And so, you know, I don't, um, I don't sell a single commercial any day. I don't get on the air and do a broadcast ever. I'm not, uh, I'm not backstage designing our digital programs, but our amazing team is. And so my job is really to, to get out in front of, as you said, the coronavirus or whatever other speed bump exists and do my best to, to eliminate those speed bumps for, for our team so that they can continue to go as fast as they can every single day. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's what makes a good general manager, whether you're in radio or you're at a car dealership or you're running a restaurant. You know, you've just got to let the team that you hired, because your job is to hire the best people and, and train them and empower them to, to be their best, do their jobs. Uh, when, when we make mistakes is when we get in their way. I found well, that to be the case for me anyways. And look, salespeople in particular, not to minimize anything else, but salespeople take so much like this is a totally overblown word to use, but they take so much damage from the nose and the get, sure. you know, whatever, you know, you have to be that cheerleader for them too, right? Yeah, I, 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 I truly believe that my job and the job of, of all the directors and managers in our building, the number one job is to be a motivator. Uh, and you can hire the most motivated people in the entire world and there will be a day during the week in which they will not be motivated or they will not be uh, fired up to do their job. And so, you know, what we hired them to do is, is to go out and be great. And I think when you encourage people every single day, 
hence the name of your, your podcast here. Uh, when you encourage them every single day to be great, what you get is not just a job well done. You get the best job well done. And that's, that's really been the business philosophy that we've subscribed to. And it's, it's really paid dividends. You know, even for people who don't understand golf, okay, people can understand the Tiger Woods thing and how he came on and was like, oh, my God, what is this? And then you saw him get inside his own head and, and people like him uh, uh, hire coaches to sure. try to get their head fixed, you know. And, of course, broadcast companies, that's why they have uh, uh, really amazing when they do have really amazing general sales managers, directors of sales, and uh, especially market managers to try to to reduce those speed bumps and try to help soothe that path, if you will. And I think people need that encouragement. That's why we started the encouragers, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's a um, it's it's an easily overlooked. Um, piece of, of a manager's job. And I, I've, I've even heard folks say, you don't need to motivate motivated people. And I just completely disagree with that. No, no matter how expensive the car you buy is, it's got a battery. Yep. And, and every morning you go out and you use that battery to start the engine. Once it's running, that's great. At some point, the battery has lost its charge. Um, for a multitude of reasons. And I believe that, you know, every morning you've got to, you've got to give your group that jolt and get them excited about it. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a daily, let's, let's, let's throw quotes around, but it certainly is a, when you get the opportunity, have a conversation with them and encourage them. If you have an opportunity to sit in front of a sales meeting, encourage them. If you have the opportunity to sit in front of your entire staff, encourage them. And and what you get is just a, an empowered group of people who love their job. And uh, to me, that that really provides the difference between the good and the great. I love the way you talk about this. And look, you know, it, it, it's just like this when when you're a great seller it took me a long time to learn this. You're a great listener. I think the same is true for a manager too. Listen, a, a lot of people, you hear me go back to this and we are encouragers here, not just for the people that we bring on as guests, but also for anyone who makes their living from the business of radio or from audio in general. Do you have advice for others who might want to be like Jason and follow your career path? Wow, that's a deep, I know, right? that's a deep question, Lloyd. That's lots of trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if if you're if you're sure you want to do that, uh, let me give you my cell phone number so I can I can talk you out of it. No, I um I or, re I think, or recruit us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's possible too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. You know. I. I think I, I've said this before, but um. You know, when you when you want a job, when you want to do something, yeah. start start doing it. You know, uh, I, when I was in Tampa as the director of sales, I met with the programming team um, and, 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 and helped them guide or I guided them through issues that, uh, that our general manager didn't even need to be worried about. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a seller, uh, I managed people and helped them grow. And, you know, I think that, I think that in every step of the path, uh, you, you've got an opportunity to, to help people um, grow and whether they're in your organization or without outside of your organization, the, the impact that you can make on them both personally and professionally is, is profound. Um, and, you know, everybody, everybody wants something different. 
And to me, I, and I learned this a, a long time ago, I had a great mentor at, uh, at Cox Enterprises, a guy named George Largay. Uh, he actually worked for, for automotive. He wasn't in the, um, in the media business. But he, he, said, he said, Jason, do you know what the difference is between the golden rule and the platinum rule? And I said, well, George, I know the golden rule. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. And he said, exactly. He goes, that's the golden rule. He said, and platinum, it, platinum is better than gold, right? And I said, yeah, George, I think it is. And he goes, do you know the platinum rule? And I said, no. He said, the platinum rule is you do unto others as they would have chosen, have chosen to have done to them. And meaning, you know, you treat people the way you think they want to be treated, and that may not be the right the right way to motivate them. That may not be the right way to get them, you know, excited about work. But when you listen and you hear what they're saying, they'll give you clues as to how they need to be managed um, and, and how their careers will grow. And what you want for them may be different than what they want for themselves. And it's important that you know that. Otherwise, you're managing to a result that isn't what they want. And I, one of the one of the greatest lessons in, in my life, because I'm a sales manager, I know what they want. I know what they need. I'm, yeah, a, right? I'm a typical man. I, I can tell you what your what your problem is. Let me just help you fix that. And I think along the way, I had to learn that, you know, what I wanted for them wasn't necessarily what they wanted. And it turns out that it wasn't necessarily what they needed. So uh, that's a, I think that's the biggest lesson that, um, that I can bestow on other folks as, as we have conversations with them. You know, you got to be really, really inquisitive and then shut up. Let them talk. Oh, you're in the right spot right now. Let's talk about Cox Media Group because, look, I always want to focus on this at least once during an interview. How important do you think culture is to the success of, of local clusters, local clusters, as part of a broadcast company? Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's um, important as part of it. I think it's mm -hmm. important as this as the sole driving factor. And and I'll tell you why. If you have a great culture, you can get around obstacles that are out of your control. And over the last few years, have we had a few? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, global pandemics, uh, for sure. You know, we had a security incident in, 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 in June of last year, which caused us to, you know, be, be down for a little while. And our, and our sales team still beat the market from a, from a revenue standpoint. But I think that your culture dictates our, our team's drive to help find their own solutions and ultimately have a great attitude no matter what they're faced with. And whether it's ratings challenges, sales challenges, listener challenges, building challenges, personal challenges, if your culture is at a, at a, at a very high level, you can overcome just about anything. And I believe that that has been the secret to the success um, of, of us in Orlando and our entire company for a long time. Well, listen, we've been talking to you for a minute here, and we know that you've made these transitions and you've successfully, let's call it leveled up in the business a number of times. You must be really skilled at spotting excellent salespeople. What do you think the keys are when you're looking for new sellers to add to a local sales team? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think there's a lot of individual talents. Um, you know, we work with we work with a company called CSS, and and they help us identify talents, and and uh, that that's certainly helped us. And I think when you when you're out 
looking for folks, you, you obviously, you, you look for that, for that, that, that person that has no fear, uh, in approaching somebody that, that high command in the room. But I, we also look for large problem solving skills and high positivity. When you add those yeah. three things together, you end up with a, with a person that's, uh, by the way, rare. It's, it's a very rare find to, to find that exact person. Um, but you find somebody who can, who can face these challenges, who, fa- who can face, as you said, all of the no's all of the time and still come back and ask for more. Right. That's exactly right. Look, so look, I, I, this is fascinating, too. While your company, certainly, and others, we've seen some really interesting things on the importance of digital and the different philosophies about digital marketing and the speed at which things are changing. There are a variety of markets and individual companies where people are still debating the nature of digital, how important it is, and how do you help local sellers embrace digital? In other words, how would you encourage other directors of sales and market managers to learn to grow digital sales for their own future? Well, I, I think you have to look at where the audience is. And uh, for all of us who have been in this business for, for a while, you can, you can see that the audience is continuing to make a transition. And um, if, if you're going to be a local seller in this business and you're not going to embrace digital, you can count your days as numbered. We, we just, we have to accept the fact that the audience is moving. It's migrating from a programming side that creates a completely different set of challenges than it does for the seller. But as a seller, a local salesperson, if you're not walking into a local business and talking about digital, and by the way, you don't have to understand the nooks and crannies and every detail of the digital business. I think so many people get wound up in, I don't completely understand it. And, and oftentimes I will sit them down and say, okay, so we have a microphone in, in studio A, how does that get into the, uh, how does that get into the car radio? And nobody can explain it. Nobody understands how it works, but it does, and you can go out and sell it. But in the digital space, if we don't understand every last detail, we tend to want to give up on it. Well, I don't understand how it works. And and really, we're, we're selling an audience. We continue to sell an audience that happens to be in other places. And by the way, we now have access to sell that audience in all of those places in a much more targeted and trackable format than we've ever had. So why wouldn't you want to take a part of this? Why wouldn't you want to walk in to a business and use this as one of your solutions? It doesn't make any sense. So that's, I think to me, um, you know, the, the biggest answer to that question, there's a lot of small little things and we've empowered people. We surround them with really, really smart people, uh, in the digital space that are understanding it. And we're, 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 we're giving them the tools that they need in order to be successful with it. That's right. And, and I love the different uh, forms of creativity that go to this. I always think that more emphasis should be put on profit margin. But OK, maybe that's for another day. Uh, listen, you have some other activities that uh, surely had to come out of being in the radio business. You're, on, you're a board member for the Florida Association of Broadcasters. How long have you been involved with the FAB? I've been involved with the FAB for for several years since I got here in Orlando. Um, and I don't know if you know Pat Roberts, but an um, amazing president of, of the Florida Association of Broadcasters, been around the political scene for a really long time, and right. just just a great guy, somebody that you can glean a lot from. 
Um, and then in June of 2020, I, I joined the board. Uh, and actually, a week uh, next week, I'm actually going to DC for the for the state leadership conference to go up and advocate for our, our business and our medium in in front of Congress. So I'm excited about uh, I'm excited about getting to do that and being on the board there certainly provides for that opportunity. Absolutely. Listen, I always love when I see people are involved with the Ronald McDonald House Charities. Uh, it, it it's it's a really great charity. They are so helpful to so many families who don't want to be away from their loved ones at a time of hospitalization. A lot of people don't know about this. They just kind of see the Ronald McDonald thing and go, "Okay, that's McDonald's." How did you get involved with their board? Because you're doing that too. Yeah, I um I, I had a, a a guy here by the name of Jimmy Farrell when I got to Orlando who had a son um, that uh, was hospitalized for a long time during a liver a liver transplant, and their family spent um, a, a lot of time in the hospital and at the Ronald McDonald House. He ended up being the president of the Central Florida Association. Uh, he was promoted to Jacksonville, and he asked me to 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 step into his to his board seat. And um, as a as a as a cancer survivor. Survivor myself, my my heart goes out to kids that are going through uh, you know just an immense amount of struggle revolving around sickness. And the only thing that you really want is your family to be there and close. That's and right. the Ronald McDonald House just does an amazing job with this. We've got uh, we've got three houses here in Orlando that are just so well run, and it's it's a it's a pleasure to be a part of that organization. You know, it's really interesting. You never. I, for whatever reason, we're all selfish. I don't know what you want to call it. You never think about these things until it starts happening to you. That's uh, right. I, I have a kid who is a leukemia survivor, so we've been down some roads ourselves. And whenever I run across somebody like you, who I was shocked to learn that, you know, you have this cancer background that you've had to deal with in amongst your career. Uh, how do you keep your balance? <laughs> Jason, that's an awful lot, right? Yeah, yeah, you, you have to, uh, and and I I don't think that there is one thing that you do to balance your life. I think it's a I think it's a daily ask. Um, you know, when my kids were little, it was making sure I didn't miss games or practices when I could get there. Uh, time at home in an afternoon of the last couple of years. You know, uh, working from home, you, you certainly your eyes are open to all the things that you could have missed while working in an office. Mm. And I, I, I think that um, for us all in the future, especially us leading markets and, and, and sales teams and, and programming teams, it's important that we keep an eye on that because the, the worst thing in the world we can do is get right back to just being in the office 830 to 530. We're, we're, we're incredibly productive people in our our. Our staffs are incredibly productive and can be without having to, you know, commute to an office every day. We need to be together. I think there is great that comes from being together, um, and ultimately, there's balance that comes from being together. Um, you know, but you've got to have you've got to have a mixture of both. And so, having outside activities, outside interests, things that you like to do, projects that you work on away from work. Um, really make for a better employee. So I, I, I do it. We travel a lot. We, you know, we're busy a lot, uh, and I encourage employees to do the same thing. And um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an incredibly um, important part of of being really successful at work. If you're not, and you, and all you do is work all the time, it, uh, it, it will end up showing up in your work. 
Well, and look, working all the time doesn't get it done. I have a friend of mine who, who every time my wife and I do something because we don't, we're not big spenders, right? When we when we do something, he always goes, "Look at you! You can't hide money." That's what he says to me. <laughs> and so I say this to people who get nervous about people working at home or working remote or whatever you want to call it: you can't hide productivity, especially in our business where everyone does so much, right? Yep. So if you see the productivity, uh, who cares where that comes from? Listen, do you have a mentor or mentors in our business? If so, uh, can you share one with us and maybe how they've helped you develop professionally? Yeah, I've had lots of them. I I mentioned a minute ago, George Largay, who was at uh, Cox Automotive, who helped me in a formal mentoring program. But, you know, I've had lots of folks in my life that have had an impact on my career and um, impact on me personally. I, I think um, the one that, that really runs the longest is a guy named Keith Lawless. He, uh, he was a, a general manager of mine. He was a peer of mine. Um, and, and more than that, he was a friend. And, you know, along the way, he would provide career advice, but he would also provide me with access to things that a sales manager might not necessarily be a part of, the budgeting process or why decision making was, was happening. And that, that really empowered me to feel like I could do some of the things that I was doing in Tampa prior to becoming a general manager. And by the time I got to Orlando, I, I called him on the second or third day that I was here. And I said, listen, I, I am completely prepared to do this job. When I got here, there was there was still learning that happened, but I, I felt like I had seen everything before. Um, you know, from a business side, everything that we were talking about, none of that was new to me. I was in a brand new job, but it wasn't new to me. And um, I think I think he deserves a lot of credit for that because. Uh, it's easy. To, it's easy to get leveled up and, and promoted, and and have to learn as you go. But when you walk in, never having had done the job, but feeling like you can, uh, that's the job of, of somebody who prepared you, and he did for me. Well, and Jason, you have been so fortunate. You know, I've been fortunate where I have had consulting roles with Cox. People who don't know about that Cox culture and the diversity of businesses that have been involved and all that, they don't know what the resources are. They've really been pretty incredible in terms of, let's call it mingling with some other people who have interesting ideas, right? For sure. Yeah. So, so let's talk about you in, in this particular thing. Okay. And anytime I use the word future, I always like to let my guest off the hook right away, right up front. So you don't feel intimidated by the question. Nobody knows the future, but what, what do you think the role of radio and radio sales will be in the future. You've already talked about digital a little bit. You know that we got Joel coming up next week. We're going to talk about some interesting things with WTOP in Washington that the way the role of salespeople are changing, right? What do you think the role of radio and the role of radio sales will be in the future? It's a, it's a great question, and they're and they're connected. But the radio, the role of radio is is really not different than it than it's ever been, and that is to be that local connection for folks. Um, the 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 big thing that we know about audio is people are still consuming it in mass quantities. Look at what we're doing right now. I, I think people are consuming more audio only. Uh, uh, pieces of information than they've ever had because of the amount that, that that's out there, and right. who's the who's the best at it? Well, our 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 folks are our, our personalities that have been doing this for a long time. You talk about you know social media and and the endorsements that happen on social media. 
all that's born out of what radio has been doing for years. 100%. And I, I think that you, when you when you kind of cross that bridge to the second piece of your your question and talking about you know what will radio sales be in the future, it's just understanding that that's where the audience is. It doesn't mean that they're there all the time, but it certainly means that they're there and consuming that um, at different times of the day. Uh, on demand when they want to. And, you know, as a seller, it's important to be able to articulate how the listener is is using it in different ways and how much more targetable it is than just standard terrestrial radio. And there's still a place for both. Uh, you know, the live long form radio that happens now, whether it's music or talk, is is fantastic. I think, um, you know, we, we've, we've got a great new group of program directors in our cluster and in our business who really understand how the audience is moving and migrating and what they're looking for. And we certainly do enough research to be able to prove that in many cases. But as, as podcasting becomes more normal and it's not this strange word and, yeah. and, and digital audio becomes much more accepted, you, you've got major national, local and regional advertising agencies that are now in, being inquisitive about it and finding out, you know, because their advertisers or their, their clients are looking to gain access to that audience. And our sellers need to need to understand that it's it's not a dirty word. I think for a long time we said, oh, my gosh, we can't talk about some of these platforms. We need to avoid this and, and move the conversation away. And I I just think that's a mistake. We should be accepting of it and, and realize there is a place for all of us just because one has success doesn't mean it's the demise of another. That's right. I call that the theory of abundance. There's room yep. for everything. And certainly radio can prove itself again and again and again. And we've opened ourselves to have a lot of different tools to help uh, advertisers. Uh, listen, Jason, I want to thank you for being our guest on the Encouragers, the radio rally. If it's okay with you, I'd like to ask you to hang out with us for a few minutes in case someone from our audience might have questions for you. Sound okay? That's fine. All right. So we are going to open up the room in case you have questions that you might want to ask Jason. Uh, we've got a couple of different ways you can do that. Of course, you can push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or your Android device, and that will let us know that you want to speak to the open group uh, when you do that. And of course, we will uh, open the room up for you and let you come up. We ask that you do uh, mute your microphone when you come up because uh, of the audio let's call it the the audio fun that we have on clubhouse sometimes um so do mute your microphone when we bring you up i'm going to bring somebody up right now and see if we can get that done uh and uh hopefully that will yes rick party is with us and rick do you have a question for jason I just want to say, Jason, you've you've got a great hire in Elroy Smith. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, Elroy, he was my uh, one of my program directors in Dallas at KJMZ. He hired me there um, from, I think, Virginia. I was working and then uh, to WGCI in Chicago. So he's yeah. been very instrumental in my life. And by, and by the way, Jason, if you don't know this fellow right here, Rick Party, let me tell you, he exemplifies some of the things that you've been talking about this evening, about doing it, uh, about engaging people and doing what you want to do uh, uh, and leading to where you want to go. He's really exemplary in that. And I really applaud him every time I run across him. He's always positive. 
Well, that's awesome. And uh, if you if you know Elroy Smith at all, uh, he he epitomizes that as well. We are uh, we are blessed to have uh, a guy like Elroy in the building. Uh, what he is bringing to the table is uh, just um, exemplary leadership, um, both from a programming standpoint and a people standpoint. He's he's great with with, with people, but um, you know he's going to be doing some some really great things in in Orlando. So I appreciate the comments, Rick. Absolutely. Uh, I have another person here. I don't. I have a way to identify them by name. Cool Voice Media. Let's see if we can bring them up, and they might have a question for you as well. Uh, let's see if they're going to come up. There we go. This is Xavier. Xavier, do you have a question for Jason? Sure do. Thanks. Um, so I'm exploring a hybrid approach with the podcast I'm developing. I want to explore the intersection of sports and music and hip hop from a fan perspective. And I wonder if you had any thoughts on how I could efficiently do that. Well, first of all, I think it's a great idea. I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that our business has has sort of dug itself around is that everything has to be in a niche format. Um, and as as you're as you were talking and, and talking specifically about how that works, uh, I love the idea of it, the sound of it. Um, and, you know, I. I, I don't necessarily I don't know if I'm the best one to give you advice on, on where to go with it. Um, but there are there are some great folks uh, that are that are um, podcast coach coaches that uh, that might help you. Um, if it's something that you're looking for to to get involved in one of the broadcast companies, an idea like that, uh, we're, we're always looking for new ways to create content on on all of our channels. So um, I'd love to talk with you more about it um, and help guide you. If, if we can have a, an offline conversation, I might be able to look look you up uh, some some other folks to connect you with. Yeah, Jason, can you give your email address for people who might want to contact you directly, and that would be good for Xavier as well. Sure. Yeah, it's Jason dot meter m e d e r at c m g cox media group cmg.com so jason dot meter at cmg.com okay so i got another couple of questions for you but first i want to say that uh we want to encourage people to show up on wednesday nights on clubhouse live for our innovation and audio our wednesday live events deal directly with real world innovation and undeniable innovators we bring people to our live events that you may never otherwise meet and certainly uh, don't get to engage with on a regular basis uh, people who are creating environments and encouraging innovation itself mostly outside the radio industry so that we can have clear thinking about it how about that it's our way to give you a different creative perspective about change creativity itself and of course innovation this wednesday just two days from right now on our live innovation and audio we are going to feature a lady named Sumya Ojakli, and believe it or not, she's the managing director of Theorem 3 Advisors in New York, New York. We're going to talk about publishing. We're going to talk about innovation and storytelling. You do not want to miss that Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Now, uh, Jason, uh, here's an interesting question that I didn't really expect, and I should have. What's it like to be in Disney's backyard and Universal's backyard and do you and your team spend time attracting dollars related to a variety of tourism opportunities more than you would in, say, Tampa, right? 
Yeah, that's a uh, that's a double edged uh, question. Number one, of course. Uh, the the city of Orlando attracts uh, around seventy five million annual visitors because of these parks. That's so crazy. You, you can imagine how that impacts the local economy, and uh, so you know as the parks shut down for six or eight weeks at the at the beginning of the pandemic, and then has travel has been slowed. It's definitely impacted the local economy. Conversely, Florida is seeing this massive influx of people from northern climates, uh, folks that are, are able to work from home and, and, and live wherever they want. And so I don't know that we've necessarily seen the severe impacts um, from, the, from the slowdown in tourism like we would have had people not been moving here. Um, the, parks are a, the parks are a major driving factor to a lot of what goes on in central Florida. But Orlando is, is kind of the tale of two cities. So you've got, you've got the theme parks and everything that surrounds the theme parks from a tourist standpoint. And then you've actually got the city of Orlando and the small communities that surround it that's, that's really disconnected from the actual theme parks. You've got the people who live here. Oh, it's a different market, right? Yeah, yeah. But the businesses are based on you know, tourism and the restaurants and, and you know, the, the folks who work in the hotels and all that. So it's it's all intertwined, but it's a very it's a very interesting dynamic that happens between these theme parks and the city of Orlando. So it's uh, it's it's definitely been an eye opening experience. That's for sure. Well, and I, I, I I'm listening to you answer that question. I'm thinking about the question. Maybe they should have asked, do you have a special task force set up to to just work on tourism? I would think that you might have something like that, right? Yeah, our, our, we've got um, salespeople who, who focus specifically on the category um, because of its impact in the market. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, but you, you have to understand that that tourism really just affects every piece of our business. Well, all right. So I have a final question that comes from our audience through the IM. Um, and this one's a pop-up, I think. I, I just got to hear the answer. You are a real Florida radio pro. Yes? I, I am I am from all Florida, right. and right. I am so, in the radio business, yes. So what is so special about Florida today? What's special about Florida is probably what's always been special about Florida. We have amazing weather year round. It gets it gets hot here in the summertime. Um, you you've got uh, miles and miles of, of endless beach. You've got you've you've got the opportunity to live where people vacation. Um, what uh, you know what the, the the answer is that uh, what's not to like about Florida. Um, and I think for, for those of us who have lived, I'm a fifth generation Floridian, so I, I'm, I'm clearly, uh, I guess I'm allowed to answer this, but, you know, I, I think that uh, it's, 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 a, it's a great place to live, work, raise a family, and um, it provides uh, an amazing uh, year-round weather climate for people to, uh, to get outside and be active. And so when you think about all those things, what's not to like about Florida? Mm. Well, listen, again, it's so interesting for us to get to park you for an hour and spend time with you is kind of a big deal for us, uh, especially with that big job you have and for you to give us such perspective on it. Uh, I want to thank you again uh, just for hanging out with us. How about that? Well, yeah, thank you for, uh, for asking me. It was, a, it was a pleasure and an honor to join you. All right. So listen, we do try to keep things to about an hour. We're rolling right up on that. 
one of the great things about our live event is that you can meet people just like Jason and get to know him. Thank you for joining us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know someone that you think you'd like to hear as the guest on the Radio Rally, you can email me, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. I hope you have a great week. We like to say this at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. I want to say thanks again to Jason for being our patient and giving guests. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available very shortly here. So you can hear this whole thing back. If you want, you can share it with folks. Uh, we'll provide links in different social media so you can uh, check that out as well. And of course, we'd like to thank JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Please do share our podcast, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio. Both podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Please remember this if you don't remember anything else from this live event. Be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers. And of course, good night.